I think it was before 2018, I had students comparing me like as Obama teacher or like LeBron James. And then when Black Panther dropped, oh my God, when Black Panther dropped, it changed to teacher, Black Panther, teacher, what kind of teacher? <laughs> now I teach elementary students. I'm like, okay, I hate these kids right now. <laughs> is Chris Colson and Laria Reed with four friends in a book podcast and we're here introducing a new segment that we're starting up for for the season two which we're calling the author spotlight so typically you guys know you've been following us for a while we typically are on the book review side of things but now we want to actually have a discussion and kind of unpack with authors um, about their experience you know becoming published um, going through this whole writing process and so today Got a special guest. You know, we're here with my brother Phil. We've uh, kind of connected via social media, um, and he's actually our first guest on this author spotlight. So we got kind of want to unpack with him and and, and get get into his head a little bit um, as far as his process uh, writing books and kind of kind of getting into that. So um, actually, Phil's actually in, in Korea, so that's kind of how we want to start this thing off. So uh, Phil, give a little background um, about you know you being in Korea how you got there, um, what that experience has been for you thus far, or how has it been for you? Yeah, so for those of you who know me, I'm Phil. I go by the Blur Explore Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I'm mostly a black travel content creator and author, recently new author, really. Um, I moved to South Korea back in May 2016, and I've been here ever since doing ESL, teaching English as a second language. Cool. Okay, and so... Again, getting into uh, being in another country, um, and like I say, recently, you know, getting into authors and writing and, and that sort of thing. Um, but more importantly, I guess, how has the experience being in another country and living and living abroad? How has that been for you? And how has it also has it shaped your experience or your preconceived notions uh, prior to you know you arriving there? Uh, Experience-wise, I think for me, living abroad. It's, it's my niche. I think this was something that's my mm. calling, you know. Like, you know, some people have different calls. Some people are designed to get a house, get married, have kids, a house and a dog, right? All they are. Uh, that's me. That doesn't, that's, not, that's not my cards, personally. Like, uh, and plus, I always wanted to travel as a kid. So that, mm. and I just know how to do it. Because, uh, at least for me, growing up, the only time... I most of the times I ever heard or seen a black person travel live abroad was because they're in the military, almost always. Right. And this is for from black for black folk. Mm -hmm. uh, can I ask you guys something? Would would you say the same thing for you? Like, yeah. Um. I mean, I like to travel, and we we kind of yeah. uh, we've touched on it a little bit in our podcast as far as this. Oh, uh, kind of like liking to travel. Of course, COVID has kind of kind of put a wrench right. into that whole travel process. But uh, I have visited a few other countries. Um, but I think you're right as far as even living abroad. Usually, that's kind of right. reserved for people that you know may be in the military or have jobs that takes them um, right kind of outside of those those bubbles. But um, it's not as common. I, I don't think for for our culture to to step right, out exactly in those areas. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and now, how I got this job, end up teaching was, I was in my last semester of college back in 2015, fall 2015. You know, I seen, being a senior in university, you're sending out resumes, 
going to job fairs, nothing was clicking. And then one day on my university job board, I saw an ad about teaching English in South Korea. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I did my research into it, looked into it. This is back in 2016, 2015. So uh, looked into it and I said, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do after college. Okay, wow. cool. Wow. So where are you from originally? I, I didn't get that part here. Yeah, uh, I'm in South Carolina. Okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> well, uh, my question was, what inspired mm -hmm. you to be a writer or to be an author for, um, I know you just talked about how you didn't hear of that many people yeah. traveling or whatnot, but was there a specific inspiration for writing a book about it and creating content about being a black traveler? Right. Uh, well, in terms of my travels, the black travel content, it was due to the lack of black representation in the travel tourism industry. Okay. Uh, now, this is like during like the mid late 2010s, of course, keep in mind. Okay. Uh, during that time, even before, and like I barely saw any black person, blogs, YouTube videos of anybody who looks like us traveling abroad. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, okay, either put up a shove, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like basically one of the scenarios where it's like, okay, if you're not going to do it, somebody won't do it, no company's going to do it, I'll just do it my dang self, okay? <laughs> yeah. And as far as my first book, uh, writing up becoming an author, that was actually, not surprising, due to COVID in 2020. Gotcha. Um, I remember, like, I was up in school one day, and I was thinking, I've been thinking for a while, for a while thinking, okay, what's a little something I can do on the side or a little change on the side? That hasn't been done before. And no one, I thought about it, like, wait, no one's really read, wrote a black travel guide for another country. Like, I've seen books for like solo women and solo women, solo men travel guides. And those are great, of course. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing for, like, say, a general travel guide for people of African descent. So I thought, uh, why not try to go, go ahead and do that? So I spent that day writing down notes about where I currently lived at the time in Incheon. And then I found out later that for the summer originally, we're going to be put on leave because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I took that summertime last summer to go out almost every day, going out, taking pictures, doing research, all that jazz. And that's what led up to writing the book, our first book. Wow. That's awesome. How was that process too? The process of writing it, was it tedious? Was it was it a lot? Or And, and also, yeah. let me ask you this before we can get back, yeah. because you got my head yeah, turning. Sure. Um, what countries okay. do you have involved in this? Is it just European countries or Asian countries? Is it like a specific country in particular or? Uh, just specifically South Korea right now, because I live here. Okay. It's much easier okay. to write about. Uh, yeah. I might do more in the future, but again, we got to see how it goes post-pandemic, of course. Of course, of course. Okay. But back to my original question. So how was that yeah. process? Was it tough? Was it hard? Was you doing all of that? or? Uh. Honestly, it was a little bit challenging because again, it's like your first time author, your first time writing. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. how do I do this? How do I write a book? But for me, what I what I would do, like when I go out take pictures, there's a location I want to go, like go to a park, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'll bring up my Google Docs and just write down notes to things I see, like you know, just little bullet points. And then later on, maybe after that in the day or in the week, I will go back, look at my notes, and try you know take what I got and actually try to make a sentence, make build, make a paragraph out of it. Wow. wow. It was one of the scenarios where I think as, as a writer, you realize uh, you got to learn to take your time. Go at your own pace. Right. You know, right. Before you burn yourself out, because some, some individuals can sit at a, at 
a computer and write for hours and hours. That's mm -hmm. not me. Right. <laughs> I mean, now I'm working again, of course. But uh, for me, it's like, okay, if I can spend a few hours, maybe every three or four weeks in a PC cafe, writing a page, what I got, then I can do that. Because that works for me. Because again, also, I'm back to work full time now. So. I understand. Well, look, let me throw this question in really quickly, and then I'm going to sure. turn it back over to Chris. <laughs> sure, sure. But my question is, what is the uh, the most unique or the thing that sticks out to you the most about where you are now in South Korea? Like, is there a specific place that you, like, everybody should go to um, since you're there that you've really taken to? Or what's that one place within South Korea that you love? Mm. My favorite thing so far that I've done in Korea is the, I wrote this in my Daegu book. I talked about the Daegu Chimic Festival. It's a fried chicken and beer festival. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you heard that right, y'all. Yeah. I, I hate stereotyping, but fortunately, South Koreans love fried chicken more than black people because, like, everywhere you go in Korea, like, you know how there's a joke in the, in the hood, there's, like, drugstores and churches on every corner, right? Right. In terms of Korea, there's a fried chicken restaurant almost everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Franchises and mom and pop shops, independent shops. So you'll find them everywhere. So like, I think it was 2013, 2014, they started like a music festival for fried chicken and beer festival. Yeah, so let's look, hey, so you guys have been sleeping on, on South Korea, man. Hey, the chicken and the beer is there. Let's go. Doors open. Yeah, yeah, that and the hiking too. Like South like South Korea is a very mountainous country, like hills and mountains everywhere. So if you're outdoorsman, if you love hiking, then South Korea, you're going to have a field day here. Because right. you're going to have a hard time choosing what trail what you want to go to because there's so many to choose from. Wow. This is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. While, while we're on this topic, and, and I'm, I'm kind of yeah. transitioning a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Have, have you found it difficult at all to even to adjust to the culture? Um, again, you, you mentioned you saw that there was a need um, for, mm -hmm. you know, black travel guides and that essentially there was an untapped market. And so that kind of right. spawned your, um, you know, notion to even write this book and become a writer and an author. Um, but as, as part of that process, even culturally, you know, being in a new country, um, not many people there, I'm, I'm assuming, um, you know, not like yourself, has that, was that right. kind of culture shock for you? How is it, how has that adjustment been for you? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, especially when I moved back in May 2016 to Korea. Um, it was a culture shock because you're going from the USA where, like, it's just, like, diversity. Like, you see, like, once a little bit everybody, right, to a homogenous nation like Korea where, like, everybody looks the same. And if you don't look Korean, people are going to stare, right? Mm. And I mentioned both my books. I was like, yes, as a person, people of color will get more looks. Uh, we go, especially if you got certain features, like, if you're tall and black, uh, if you got darker skin tone, if you have like dreads or like a unique, you know, Afro like or type of unique hair, black hairstyles, right? Is is mostly just, and that just this doesn't just happen in Korea. This happens also in Japan, China, Vietnam. Mostly because again, uh, they never seen about somebody who looks like us on a regular basis, so it's not very common. Now, in my case, I'm like two meters six seven tall, six seven, right? So even in the big cities of capital Seoul, like people will stare at me mostly because. I mean, there are more black people in Seoul, but again, because I'm tall and black, I get a lot of looks. Right. <laughs> Do they think that you play basketball? It's like, are you are you a basketball player? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, uh, I think it was before 2018, I had students compare me like as Obama teacher or like LeBron James. 
And then when Black Panther drops, oh my God, when Black Panther drops, it changed to teacher, Black Panther, teacher, Wakanda teacher. <laughs> now I teach elementary students. I'm like, okay, I hate these kids right now. <laughs> Get you that kids be. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you can't really be too upset because, again, most of the time, especially when it comes to ESL, like my job, right? A lot of student Korean students never had a black teacher, not a white mm, teacher. Right. Because in terms of pan- population size, like there are more white teachers teaching Korea than non-white teachers. There are black teachers, don't get me wrong. But in terms of the job market, in terms of jobs and applications, there's still, even to this day, yes, even to this day, there's going to be more purpose for a white person, particularly a white girl from America or Canada. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, I in some previous jobs I had, I was their first black teacher that they had or non-white teacher they had. Wow. 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 And this is outside of Seoul and Busan, even, especially. Okay. And so how has this um, experience shaped your worldview? Like, the way you look at the world with you being in Korea? Yeah. Uh, I would say it's both big and small at the same time. Okay. Because we know it's a big world, different cultures, different countries, different languages, right? But we still got the same drama, same BS that we deal with back home, wherever we go. You got crazy, you got crazy family drama. Um, you got some great students. You got some terrible students who need the who need the belt that badly. Yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> and uh, of course, like me, I'm in the gaming culture, so I do. I've been to a few Pokemon and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate tournaments here in Korea. So we're pretty much similar, just different language, just different skin tones. Makes it. And also, I think at the same time. It's also a good opportunity to educate because, unfortunately, in South Korea, many still kind of believe in stereotypes about other cultures. So, for example, if they see a white girl, they probably think, oh, she must be Rus- Russian and possibly prostitute or something like that. And, of course, for black people, it depends. Either you're black American or you're all black people from Africa. Yeah. Wow. And we're poor, you know, one of those poor African people. I'm like, no, no. And, of course, I had shown some students my, some videos and pictures like, Yes, there are poor African people, and here's Africa. This is the Africa you don't know about. And they didn't believe me. Wow. Oh, no, true story. True story. This happens a lot here in Korea. Like, um, one of my friends, Jerry, he's a white guy from South Africa. He told me that every time there was the first day of classes, they didn't believe that there's a white person from South Africa, that a white person could be from Africa. Yeah, be, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so kind of back to... Um, again, you stepping into this Arthur, putting on this Arthur hat um, and, and becoming published. And again, mentioning that you um, saw a, a need um, or, or untapped market as far as you know, travel guide. Would you have any advice for kind of up and coming writers or authors as far as um, going through that process? Any advice you want to share or give to those viewers that may be watching right now? Uh, well, find needs that works for you. What are you good at writing at? Now, uh, just some something that works for you, and figure out what, how to tap into that market. What's something that makes your story, your writing, different than everybody else? That makes it unique. Give it like your own personal touch. Uh, one of my friends, she asked me before, like, why don't, you, why is this only in black people? Why not just make a general travel guide? I told her, one, it's an untapped market for sure. And I remember, I think it was, a, it was called the Mandela Market Research Institute, Institute that said African-American tourism has the power to be about 6 to $7 billion in the industry. 
Like I read this, I think that was back in 2019, 2020 story, study about that. And that's what inspired me to get into that because it's like, yeah, that's right. Because more African-Americans are traveling more than ever before. It's a neat untapped market. And two, if I just wrote a travel guide that I made it for everybody, it wouldn't be personal. Like it wouldn't make me stand out. Like I'll be in a sea of other travel guides you see for everybody. Like I basically would be like another independent version of the Lonely Planet or, or you know, Nat Geo, stuff like that. So that wouldn't make yeah. me stand out as hard. Yeah. Oh, and also make sure you have a good book cover. Like, don't cheap out on the book cover. Like, if you have a limited budget, I understand. But remember, uh, yeah, people, yeah, the first impression is usually almost always the book cover. Like, let's yeah, be honest. Definitely that true. visual draws them in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Larry, did you have any more questions? No, I'm good. I think I got all of them out. So Phil, I got one more and then we'll kind yeah, of let sure. you uh, tell people how they can find you. But so yeah, yeah. what would be the, I guess the overall takeaway that you want readers of your book or your travel guide to kind of to leave with? What experience would you want to kind of them to really, I guess, um, take away from from reading your 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 works? Uh, Well, for one, now this book can be read by anybody. So let's be, let's be clear. Anybody can read this. Uh, has the no one re readers check it out, of course. Um, but my book is more just like a personal travel guide that you, anybody can enjoy, have a good time, or just give you a quick escape from the crazy life that we've been dealing with right now. So maybe it'll give you like a little hope. I'm hoping my book, my goal really with my books is like really to encourage more black people, particularly African-Americans travel. And if I can give this one person to get the passport and go travel the world. And I honestly call it a win more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. I yeah, I would say just, or if you got a chance, go pick up a copy on Amazon. Um, the ebooks, the Black Charles Guide to Inchon, I-N-C-H-E-O-N, and the Black Charles Guide to Daegu, D-A-E-G-U, to Daegu, South Korea. You can find them on ebook formats on Amazon right now. And you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at The Blurred Explorer. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us once again. As always, let's continue to read. Let's learn. Let's grow. And let's have a discussion here on Four Friends in a Book. Thank you. Thank you.